Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the historical lands of the Cowlitz, Multnomah, Peoria, Kickapoy, and other First Nations. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thank you for joining us on Your Top 6, a podcast where we look at our most played games, what they say about us, and what they reflect or don't about our playstyle. I'm your host, Jerry, and I use they, them pronouns. And this is my co-host, Jacques, and I use he, him pronouns. Tonight we're joined by a good friend of mine, a published author and a voice actor from Chicago, Illinois, my friend and dear colleague, Isaac Scher. If you have a moment, go to Amazon.com and check out A Cloak of Blade. It's uh, Isaac's first novel, and it's a great little piece of science fantasy that you'll really enjoy. Isaac, hello. Hey, good to be here. Thank you for having me on. And I use he, him pronouns. Thank you very much. Uh, so Isaac, tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow. Uh, where to start? Uh, from Cincinnati originally, uh, went to college in Indiana, Earlham College, nice, the proverbial small Midwestern liberal arts college that you hear about in so many penthouse forums letters. Um, and then, no, really, seriously, not kidding. And then uh, <laughs> as soon as I graduated from there with a pleasantly useless uh, theater arts degree, but a liberal arts theater arts degree. So it looked good on resumes. Uh, moved to Chicago in the late 90s and have been here ever since. Great. Oh, you're going to be hearing my son Elijah in the background there. So I apologize for any noise he makes there. Hey, Eli, you want to say hello? Hello. Very good. Hi. Hello. Hello. Mostly nonverbal, but occasionally he's able to do a few words there. So babble in the background is mostly what you're going to hear. So my apologies. No, worries. Hi, no apologies Hi. necessary. So tell me a little bit about your gameplay history. Um, so when did you kind of start playing video games? Um, and how do you how do you find time to play video games now that we're um, all grown up and in a pandemic? <laughs> I am quite literally an OG when it comes to video games. Uh, my family had one of those Radio Shack hockey paddle, you know, skeet shooting things with a light gun pistol uh, where, you know, you would play Pong and all sorts of other derivatives thereof. And we found that if you flipped the game select switch in just the right way and you're playing hockey, one of the teams would have three paddles while the other would only have two. Uh, all sorts of weird stuff like that. Um, although it's funny, I never owned an Atari 2600. I wanted one, but my family was adamant against this because my mother literally had the idea that television and video games was as bad for your brain as uh, heroin. And like, not kidding, she actually used that phrase. But eventually she started relenting on that. And for Hanukkah, I got a ColecoVision, my very first video game console. And then a Nintendo Entertainment System, uh, not too long after those became available. I wasn't one of the original gamers on that. It took me a year or two to get the money for one. But then dove in head first on that, then a Super Nintendo, then became a PC gamer sometime in college. I was not playing PC games in high school, but I've been playing PC games pretty much nonstop ever since. But I still do console games on the side. I've got a PS4, I've got a 3DS, which actually uh, you gave me, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you for you know, that generous gift. Of course. Uh, but yeah, I would say most of the gaming I do on these days is PC related. Yeah. Right. Oh, but Dan's um, question about time. <laughs> 
Um, mostly evenings and weekends. I try to block off a little bit of time here and there. Sometimes I'll play a, a game app on my iPad. You know, mostly just sort of a, hey, it's first thing in the morning. And while I'm in the bathroom, play for five minutes just to kind of get the brain engaged. You know, um, and yeah, I think that's a pretty good summation of my gaming career. Excellent. Um, so when you're not gaming and you're not struggling to put food on the table, um, what are some other things that you do? for fun slash to keep yourself engaged so i think for for instance i think you and i know both have spent a bunch of time playing tabletop games and i'm wondering kind of does that do you still do that or do you play board games or etc i do but not as nearly as much as i would like i mean covid is a big part of that but let me see here um tabletop right uh got sidetracked so i haven't rolled dice properly you know either for role-playing games or for just a good old-fashioned board game in months. Finding time for tabletop games has been next to impossible with the pandemic, to be honest. Because of my chronic health issues, I have to be super vigilant about my health. I'm I'm booster vaccinated now, but you know, that's a relatively recent development. Yeah, so just I haven't bought a new board game, haven't played a board game in months, and I despise it. Although actually, no, I, I stand corrected. I was I did go to a friend's birthday party a couple weekends ago. I almost forgot about that. Wow. Because that was the first time I played in forever. And I got to play Trogdor the board game, which was actually a lot of fun and far more strategic than I would have expected. Nice. All right. This is the bit that uh, we've named the podcast after. So we're going to ask you some things about your Steam library, specifically what your top six games are by hours played. Uh, Jacques is going to start asking you and he'll ask you how many hours you've played and then ask you the name of. Well, first, I think we do have a couple of opening questions that we usually do yes, right before so i can start with the first one go for it so how many games do you have on steam at last check 332 actually i should throw in one other little detail in there I have a subscription to Humble Monthly. So if we don't count, if we counted games that I have access to through Humble, but haven't actually activated, my library probably grows by about another hundred or so. Nice. My next question is, how many games do you have to go down in your list to get to under 100 hours played? 16. Okay, that's not bad at all. No, I was actually surprised. I thought it was going to be deeper. All right, we start at the bottom and work our way up. So we're going to start with number six. How many hours have you logged in your sixth most played game on Steam? 222. That's a good number. All right, so what is it? Blood Bowl Legendary Edition. Huh. So tell me a little bit about that game, because I I've not heard that game before. So this is derived from a games workshop tactical board game from the 80s, where basically they said, okay, well, we've got this Warhammer fantasy universe full of our dark and gritty take on orcs and elves and humans and all that, and Eli, and let's have them play football. Like It is like fantasy football the game yeah, it, 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 you know, so you have treants who are your front linemen who can literally root themselves into the ground and become an immovable force you have warlocks who might zap you know the opponent running back and forcing them to drop the ball you know orcs humans all that you know there's all sorts of weird stuff but at the core it is a turn-based tactical football game american football game with a fantasy veneer added on top oh that's fantastic with extra brutality you know the the entire <laughs> idea is you know you, you are trying to spill blood this is not about tackling this is about breaking bones all right okay so number 
five. What's your hour count on number five? 233 hours. Okay. And which game is it? This is an MMO that I have not played in a while. Uh, It is called Star Trek Online, an obscure title that I'm sure no one's ever heard of. (laughs) And the funny thing about this game is that it's really, it's two different games mushed together. I don't know if either of you have ever played it. I have not. So there's the starship combat aspect, and then there's the ground game. And in terms of emulating Trek, it's actually pretty clever because you've got like, okay, we're going to beam down to the planet now and we're going to go on adventures on the planet and uncover mysteries and investigation and maybe phaser somebody in the face, things like that. But quite frankly, the ground game is boring. It's dull. The controls are crap. It's just not very good. Whereas the starship combat is amazing. But the problem is you have to wade through all this ground stuff to get to the good starship combat. And eventually, you know, having to endure one for the sake of the other got to, you know, just not not enough for me to keep going with it. So I don't play it anymore. But I will fully acknowledge that the starship combat and the starship designs, because there's some new ships in this that are unique to Star Trek Online that are just gorgeous. And I love Star Trek ships in general, but some of these are just wash up. I I have a lifetime membership to Star Trek Online because it was on sale one day (laughs) and I had money to burn. (laughs) So, uh, and yeah, the, the Starship combat is great. It's very sort of Age of Sailing, right? Nothing yeah. really turns fast. You have to plan your moves ahead. And it's all real time. It's a lot of fun. But yes, absolutely. You get all sorts of technomagic space wedgies, you know, that you can inflict. You know, the science ships are grossly overpowered. It's funny. You'd think like, okay, you get something along the lines of the Defiant, you're just going to rip through everything. It's like, no, actually, the escorts like the Defiant are really the weakest ships in the game because they're tinfoil. They hit like a hammer, but they cannot take a hit whereas cruisers like the enterprise are tanks and the science ships like voyager for example can just pull all sorts of grotesque stuff out of their butt and it's it's really amazing yeah it's a lot of fun nice i might have to check that one out at some point yeah if there's like a free trial definitely if nothing else to check out the ship combat it is worth a look i'll certainly say that all right so moving on let's hear about game number four How many hours do you have in game number four? 270 for this one. Okay, and what is it? Subnautica, which is my absolute favorite survival crafting game. In fact, I think it's fair to say that this is the only survival crafting game that I've ever really sunk my teeth into in a big way. I've heard very good things about it, but tell me more. So, okay, uh, short version. You are trapped on a water planet and nothing more than your escape pod with a very rudimentary nanotech factory in it. And, you know, no dry land to be seen anywhere. So not even a scuba tank. So you have to hold your breath. That Your oxygen is a big mechanic to dive down and you start out in a relatively shallow area and try and find minerals or catch fish for food and bring them back up to your life pods nanotech thingy to make other stuff and eventually you start getting to the point where okay now you have a a scuba tank so you can dive deeper now you have a knife so you can start getting these other resources and eventually you start being able to build vehicles and then start to build bases and meanwhile there's a whole plot line as to why are you marooned on this uh, planet why can't someone just come pick you up that's actually a big thing and are you you on a clock on terms 
terms of how to get off this planet. And there is a clicking, a, a ticking timer on this, so to speak. Although, thankfully, it's a very generous timer, but there is a timer. So, But you, it's all underwater. The deeper you go, the more beautiful and fascinating it gets. There are some sites in this that are both gorgeous and mind-numbingly amazing. And there's some terrifying shit down there. Jerry, you've played this, right? Yeah, I played a bunch. Okay. Um, so I never actually hit any of the plot stuff. Oh. I've just wandered around uh, <laughs> gathering resources and building shit. So you never experienced a Reaper Leviathan then, have you? I have seen them pass by. <laughs> <laughs> the first time one literally gets in your face is a very memorable experience that I will take to my grave. <laughs> um, in a good way. It's like, holy shit, that's terrifying, but in a way that I actually really enjoy. And I'm not normally much for horror. But yeah, this is an amazing game and it really rewards casual exploration as well as really digging into the mechanics of what you can build, where you can go, the stuff you can do. And now here's actually the most fascinating thing about it. It is not a combat game. You can get a knife, but mostly that's mostly for like getting resources and hunting fish for you to eat. The monsters out there, like the aforementioned Reaper Leviathan, you're not going to be able to fight them. You are at the bottom of this planet's food chain and that game never lets you forget it for a second. If you try to go into this with swagger, the game will end you. And it establishes that immediately. It's like, you know, you're not here to dominate this planet into submission. You are making do and surviving. And that's, and there's a lot of rewards to that. But if you're, if you're thinking you're going to throw your, uh, your weight around, not happening. That's not this game at all. So you've got uh, over 200 hours in this game. Is it like just a very open-ended kind of thing? Is this like multiple playthroughs? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there are modes to it where there it's just like, okay, you're just going to build stuff. And you can even turn off like the food requirements or the oxygen requirements, things like that. But there is a plot. And I have uh, beaten it. In fact, a brief reference I you know, to some aforementioned health issues. I beat the game for the very first time, literally three days before I got hospitalized and discovered these now chronic health issues. So that was a huge sense of accomplishment. And then boom, by the way, okay, great. Now that you've accomplished this, we're going to smack you on your ass for a few weeks. Oh, so. no. Yeah, I have heard uh, that uh, about the big nasty beast and uh, I have also heard that this game plays really nicely in VR and that the combination of those two is... I have not tried... Pants browning VR, terrifying. But <laughs> imagining a Reaper Leviathan in VR is very much a... No, I'll, I'll pass. Thank you. I have an Oculus. <laughs> I have no need to engage it in, on Subnautica. No, that's... Yeah. Oh, God. I'm just trying to imagine, like, if someone playing Subnautica on VR, going into it without any forewarning and getting hit with that out of the blue, oh, dear God. I, I would probably literally turn my pants brown. I mean, never mind the Leviathan, just those little hunter killer shark thingies. Ooh, God, yeah. VR would be a trip on this yeah. game. Yeah, getting a VR headset is, it's it's sort of on my like short list of expensive tech toys. I've now had three and all of them have made me violently ill. Oh no, that's rough. Yep. I'm glad that people enjoy it. I wish them well. It's never going to be for me. I've tried one of, of friends and it was, I was fine on it, so... VR, I have to admit, is not really my bag in general because it's not, the technology isn't immersive enough at a price point that I feel is reasonable. So I'm, I just haven't really dug into it. I got like one of those cheapy VR helmets where you slot your cell phone into 
into it and then just slap that on your face. And I played with it for an afternoon. was like, okay, this is cute. I'm not going to do anything with it. I don't want VR. What I'm much more interested in is augmented reality stuff. Oh, um, I'd yeah. love to see that really make a big comeback. Yeah. Well, get get yourself some, some smart oh. glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, and also I think, unfortunately, Google Glass did a did harm to that by making people think like, Google yeah. Glass, let that stuff? Oh, that's a stupid. You know? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't even that, I think, as much as the like privacy concerns. Right. That so was what a lot of people. ARG with privacy violations. So. Yeah. 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 All right. Number three. What do you have hours played on number three? 316 hours. And to be honest, I thought it would have been more. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, okay. So we've had an MMO. We've had a tactical turn-based. Um, we've had a exploration. Any pro- like, I don't have any projections yeah. on there's, this one. There's, so. there's no pattern there. What is your game for number three? Defense Grid The Awakening. A tower defense game. In fact, probably the only tower defense game that really got its teeth into me. Are you familiar with the genre? No. Nope. Genre, yes. So since Jerry is not, uh, I'll explain briefly. The idea here is you have an area to defend. There is a pathway making its through way through that area. Enemies are coming down that pathway, and you are able to set up towers that have weapons or other things that will impede or destroy the enemies making their way down that path. And you are trying to set up fields of fire and whatnot to destroy all oncoming enemies before they reach the end of that path, which then causes bad things to happen to you. And Defense Grid is a science fiction take on that. There's also fantasy takes, like there's... uh, there's Kingdom Rush, I think is... uh, Kingdom Rush, I think is one of the big ones. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Kingdom Rush is a fantasy example of the genre. That's a fun game, but I like Defense Grid more. Uh, Defense mm-hmm. also just Defense Grid, I feel, has tighter controls and a better yes. variety of towers. Yeah, it's it's a pretty old genre. I think uh, Bloons Tower Defense was one of the early ones that I played back when it was a Flash game in the browser. And now there's, I don't know, like they're on like number seven or something. <laughs> well, my understanding is that it was very easy to make a quick and cheap tower defense game for uh, mobile apps. And that's mm-hmm. how it really kind of got traction and then games like defense grid were an attempt to bring that over to the pc and gussy it up a bit and then kingdom rush would say okay let's take it back to the mobile app but let's add an, that additional level of polish to it again mm-hmm. yeah it's a i think i've even seen it there's a tower defense board game what is it called oh yeah no i know what you're talking about they it was on one of the earliest episodes of that tabletop show that will wheaton had and i can't remember the name of the game but i remember seeing that episode yeah Castle Panic. That might be it, yeah. I believe. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a new there's a new genre of game right. I had no idea about. Well, I will say Defense Grid the Awakening, and there is a Defense Grid 2. Um is a good introduction to the genre. It eases you into it pretty well. Um, also, a fun little bit about Defense Grid 2 is that there is a DLC tie-in with Portal with the voice of uh, GLaDOS. You know, and it's the same voice actress. They actually got her to uh, take part. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a good, solid game. You know, I'm not surprised. I'm actually surprised that my hour count on that game is not higher. All right. So we've got the sort of survival. We've got the sort of competitive strategy, the sort of solo strategy. Yeah, I don't even know where we're going on this. Um, uh, and the MMO. So I guess let's just hear the hear the hour count for number two. 390. Okay. And what is it? FTL Faster Than Light. Oh, yeah. And this was the game that got me into roguelikes. 
And the thing I like about it is that while it is real time, you can pause it anytime you want. So it's effectively turn-based and the mm -hmm. replay value on it, as you can obviously guess from my hour count on it, is just unreal. I still dig this out of the mothballs every once in a while and just give it a whirl like, oh yeah, I haven't tried this shit while. It, because depending on what kind of stuff you encounter on your playthrough, the type of gear and weapons and crew that you might get changes drastically. And so mm -hmm. yeah, the replay value on it is just wonderful. I also want to give a shout out to the game that was the follow-up by that studio, which is Into the Breach, which is basically Pacific Rim, the turn-based tactical RPG, you know, <laughs> where you are giant robots fighting kaiju, and it's wonderful and needs more love. Yeah, I know somebody who's got over a thousand hours in, in Into the Breach. Honestly, I thought Into the Breach was also going to be in my top six. It's it's in there somewhere. It's in my top 20, I think. But I put a lot into that when that first came out because that was like, it's by the eight people who did FTL and it's Kaiju and, and Giant Robot. Oh my God! So yeah, I, I thought I was going to be, I mean, I did dive into it head first, played the heck out of it, but I'm surprised it's not in my top six. Excellent. All right. And so we're to number one. What's your hour count on number one? My hour count on number one is ridiculous. So, okay, I'm going to throw this out there. So my last... Last one was 300 and change. How many hours do you think I put in on the first on my number? How many? Hours? 660. How many? 660. Uh, I'm going to go with something north of 700. I I think I might actually have a guess as to what this might be. 1,664 hours. All right, if I've got a guess, should I guess it on air? Go I... Yeah, go for it. No, go ahead. Sure. No. My guess is Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> Unfortunately, you are not correct. I do have that in my library. I've never actually fiddled with it. Oh, wow. All right. Ready? Yes. Yeah. Hit us. Civilization 5. Uh, okay. Okay. That tracks. But 5 is the pinnacle of 4X strategy for me. It had everything I wanted in terms of, you know, a good intuitive interface, being able to manage your cities and your troops. And in fact, I, the troops is the thing I really like because the Civ games before that, the combat screen was just a basic grid and you had a stack of units and you threw your stack of units against their stack of units. And there was no real strategy to it all. Whereas Civ Five, it's a hex grid and placement matters. Having ranged support for your melee troop really matters matters. So I love Civ 5. And Civ 6 is good, but I feel they tried to be too clever with the innovations on Civ 6 and overdid it. Civ 5, I haven't played Civ 5 in a while, but I'm not at all shocked that I put in literally, you know, over 1600 hours on it. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, Civ 5 was in my top six um, with the understanding that I haven't touched it in, in like three years. <laughs> yeah, same here. Okay, so the follow-up question is, what does this list not tell us about your gameplay? Well, um, one of the games that is approaching my top six, but not quite there, is XCOM, uh, the modern remake. And... Mm -hmm. I was introduced to the XCOM series during college with the PC. In fact, this is one of my first games I owned as a PC gamer was XCOM 2, Terror from the Deep, mm -hmm. which sucked me in hard. Oh, wow. That one ate my summer that year. And when they remade it, it was literally like I found out that XCOM was out. I found the demo for the PlayStation 3, downloaded it. And within an hour, I was like, honey, watch the kid. I'm off to GameStop. <laughs> 
Um, since XCOM 2 is also really excellent, but the first one is, I think, that real perfect sweet spot. But I played a Amy, bunch of that yeah. shortly after it came out. I never got super far into it, and then I also I never quite got to 2, but I did really enjoy what I did play. Well, anything, you know, anytime you say turn-based tactical game, especially with RPG elements, I'm there. Final Fantasy Tactics, I recently, you know, fiddled with again a bit. Anything along those lines is always going to be my kryptonite. Fair enough. But in terms of, like, what else am, are you not learning about me from my choices? Let me take a quick look. The canonical example of this is that I, over the last couple of years, I've played a bunch of, like, indie games that have a play time of, like, an hour or two or 40 minutes. And so, like, those are never going to be reflected in my uh, time played list because they're just not long enough to, for me to play a thousand hours of them. So, Well, I will say that one genre that this top six does not represent is the action RPG. Because the funny thing is, is that I'm really picky about those. Uh, like, okay, so for example, Bastion, wonderful game, brilliant design, not for me. You know, I just didn't quite get into it. And then the sequel by that is by Super, was Super Giant Games, I think I want to say? Super Giant. Um, they, fr they actually frequented my, my top six. Right. So Transistor. I, I should have loved that one. And for some reason, it didn't quite pull me in with the gameplay. I couldn't quite get it to sing. But here's the funny that part. That happened to me the first time. Mm. And uh, once we uh, get these released, you might have to listen to it. Uh, Transistor, I bounced off of and then came back to right after Hades launched. And after coming back to it, I ended up falling into it real hard and did the like New Game Plus and, and everything. Uh, and there, there was, I, we might have to talk a little bit about what it was that you bounced off of with that because I'd be curious if it was the same thing I did. I'm all for that um, because of, and speaking of Hades, Hades is probably not on my top six because I don't have it on Steam. I have it on the Epic Game Store because I had a coupon on the Epic Game Store and that allowed me to get Hades for $5. Best $5 I have ever spent. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Okay, so Jerry, you know my roommate Kurt, right? Yep. Kurt is not a console gamer. Mm -hmm. He does not know his way around a dual shot but he likes roguelike games like i got him into slay the spire recently and he's hooked hard on that and that does not surprise me by the way have oh, knowing yeah. kurt that does not surprise me so but Hades is a roguelike, but it's an action roguelike. And so, you know, he's been curious because he's heard me just gush about this game as if it's the fresh new girlfriend who knows all the cute little tricks in bed. Um, and he's been curious about like, okay, is it really that good? And I've had to restrain myself from screaming too loudly. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Because it, it really is. It, it is the rare game that absolutely lives up to the height in every possible possible respect and the least just of one which, of hugo right, it, it did i heard and they created the they created the the hugo award specifically for that and it's deserved that's the thing it's that groundbreaking and again like i'm not normally an action rpg guy but hades ate my soul for a solid year and i would not be surprised if i you know uh if, if it was on steam for me rather than the epic game store it would have been in my top six without question yeah. um and god adamant rail Oh, I do such horrible things with the adamant rail. It's wonderful. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, action RPGs, definitely 
only you if I find the right one, Dead Cells. Dead Cells is another one I really like. Um, and Castlevania, you know, good a good Metroidvania, like you know, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Oh, um, like I'm currently fiddling around with Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is a direct homage to that genre. Um, and those those are also a big part of the games I really so. But I'm but I'm super picky about them. You know, if if an action RPG doesn't immediately click with me, I drop it. So yeah, yeah. Anything else that you want to talk about, Jacques? No, I think that's uh, that's about it. Um, okay. Other than you know, I am curious uh, about what it was in um, uh, Transistor that you sort of initially bounced from. Well, that's the thing. It's been years. I don't fully remember. I want to say off the top of my head, the way you had to kind of plot out the combat. Like normally, I love turn-based stuff, and so I should have liked Transistor's kind of sort of turn-based thing. But for some reason it felt weird like it was trying to be both real-time and turn-based and not really succeeding at either and it it didn't click that mm-hmm. but again that's years distant it's yeah. been a while yeah for me i think it was a lot of the like the the combination of like choices where you slotted which little upgrade into active ability or upgrade or passive or, or whatnot uh very quickly just sort of bloomed out of control and i was like all right this is just gonna take forever to like figure out what's actually decent or whatnot and then i realized that they encouraged to like unlock tiny little story stem bits um they encouraged putting them in different slots so i was like all right i'll just i'll just try it here and try it there <clears throat> and then once i found a decent way to sort of say all right here's my like turn-based abilities that i want to prefer and then i made sure i had an ability to use in the real time section of things and that part of the intention of the gameplay was bouncing back and forth between the two instead of trying to like do both it was it felt like it was meant more as a uh do one and then switch back do another for a few seconds and so there was once i kind of understood that it was trying to be like this sort of tiktok kind of gameplay uh and like got a build that worked for me i i ended up really enjoying it well i have to say that you have sold me enough on it that i have as he spoke i have initiated a reinstall (laughs) (laughs) well we will we will see i I make no promises it i fully understand because it did bounce off me the first time and i was like "Eh." and then when hades came out uh i had played bastion i beat beat it i never really ended up going back to the gameplay like the new game plus mode on it uh transistor i did and went all the way through a second time and it's one of my very few games that i have listed as perfect in steam because i actually got all the way through it and have all the achievements uh and then i did pyre and uh that one was a weird but fun one uh i've heard good things about pyre i just haven't gotten around to trying it i think i've got a a, a code for it from humble or something like that it's just it's like well and the the, the gameplay is basically three on three black basketball uh, it's sports oh, ball the video yeah. game uh it, it's sports ball uh the rpg and they lean really hard into it to the point where it's just kind of amusing uh and like but the storytelling is is fun and it's got the super giant art and music and so like all the trappings are amazing um, and the voice acting i, I have oh, to say yeah. the voice acting in all the super giant games <sighs> i is love mind-blowingly good and i i remember yeah. someone some critic once saying that the narrator in bastion is like hearing liquid honey being poured 
into your ears. And I have to say, I agree with that. Yo, I, I think that's Logan Cunningham, if I'm remembering correctly. He's done a, a bunch. Yes, he was the announcer in Bastion. And he's he is so good. Yeah, and the, all the voices in Hades, like who, I don't remember her name, but the woman who voices Megara in Hades, just between both, wow, that's a really attractive voice, and wow, the nuance in the performance makes oh, my toes right. grow every time I hear her deliver a line in that game. Just the voice acting in that is just so good. Is the voice actor from Megara also the voice actor that does the murder character? <laughs> Oh, the, that's one of the other Furies. I don't, yeah. uh, to Tiffany, I think. I don't, I, now I'm curious. Hold on, I gotta Google right. it. Uh, so I was it looks shocked. Like Avalon Penrose is the voice of Megara. I was absolutely shocked at how much character the voice actor brought to them. One word. With one word, yeah. <laughs> it is not the same actress. Uh, the woman who does who does Megara only has one voice credit. Mm, okay. Yeah, Marin Miller is the voice of Tiffany. Fucking brilliant is what it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Marin Miller uh, also did Athena and Electo in Hades. All right. As we head into the uh, wrap up, Isaac, is there anything you want to pitch? Anything you want to suggest? Anywhere that people can reach you for, for gigs or whatever? Anything you want to throw out there? Well, as a matter of fact, there is. <laughs> um, best way to reach me, I am on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter handle handle is at Isaac Share I-S-A-A-C-S-H-E-R. I am available to do voiceover recordings. It's not my main hustle. I don't get a lot of call for it, unfortunately, not as much as I'd like. But I have recorded some intros for podcasts here and there, other stuff along those lines. And I'm working on possibly uh, building up into a proper recording studio setup in my basement so nice. I can start doing longer term projects like audiobooks. And speaking of books, I, I do want to reference yeah uh, my first novel was published this last summer and it is called A Cloak of Blades uh, you can get it in both paperback and Kindle on Amazon but you can also buy ebook versions of it on the Apple Store and on the Barnes and Noble I think they still call it the Nook Store yes a lie yes let's see here it is as you said it's science fantasy so it's space opera with giant starships and photon torpedoes but it's also magic where the ships are powered by arcane flywheel generators and they're just as likely to have lightning cannons as they are to have laser beams or both elves and orcs in space and i had a lot of fun writing it um, and that's available and i'm currently working on my second book there is a sequel to cloak of blades coming that is in the works but the second book is going to be a different genre it's going to be urban fantasy and the working title for that is thy eternal summer it's going to be about a uh, young man traveling to japan uh in modern day and suddenly encountering a whole world of magic and spirits and creatures and becoming a mage himself and getting embroiled in a whole strange conspiracy and strange world of being a mage and there's also a lot of romance going on where he meets a beautiful young mage uh who is deeply entrenched in mage society you know and as one does yes so that's hopefully going to be ready sometime next year. About eh, 70% done with it at this point. Cloak of Blades nice. is out now. So deeply appreciate it. So you guys giving me a little bit of a platform here is much appreciated. Awesome. Um, yeah. And uh, 
and I want to hear from people who read it. If someone hearing this goes out, gets the book, reads it, and wants to reach out to me on Twitter and say, like, hey, I read your book and I liked this or I hated this, I want to hear it, good and bad. I want the feedback. So awesome. thank you in advance. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jacques. And Catch I'm- us on Twitter at Like Bureau and JP Marcote. Follow the show at Your Top Six Games. Email us at heyyou at yourtop6.games. Want to be a guest? Shoot us an email at guestable at yourtop6.games. Thanks to Justin Ferris for our theme music. To listen to previous episodes of this show, please go to yourtop6.games. Thank you, everybody. And as always, keep playing. I'm Jacques. And I'm Thanks. Isaac, who's been very pleased to be here. Thanks for listening. Catch us on Twitter at Like Bureau and at JP Marcotte. And you can reach me on Twitter at, at Isaac Share, I S A A C S H E R. Follow the show at Your Top Six Games. Email us at heyyou at yourtop6.games. Want to be a guest? Shoot us an email at guestable at yourtop6.games. Thanks to Justin Ferris for our theme music. To listen to previous episodes, go to yourtop6.games. Thank you, everybody. Welcome, Craig. Welcome, Craig. As always, thank you. Yes, as always, thank you to the developer of Craig, uh, the recording tool for Discord. I need to, I actually need to write that up so we can stick it at the end of the. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs>